Uh, welcome. Good afternoon. How's everyone doing? Good. And good afternoon to everybody who's joining us online as well. You guys ready for the Word of God? All right, cool. Well, right before we jump into it, let's pray. There's a couple things I want to just tackle really quickly. Uh, today's a very significant day, so I just want to take another moment just to really center ourselves around the Holy Spirit and welcome the Holy Spirit to just do his work in our hearts. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about it in the message, but just even, I mean, all church prayer Friday night. How many of you guys were there on Friday night? I mean, we just had, wow, it just powerful, powerful time. God's really moving, and I want to just keep leaning into what God's doing. Uh, you know, but just every week, we just dive a little deeper. We push a little further. We go forward a little more. The other thing, though, is I wanted to take a moment to praise the church family. Uh, fellow pastor here in the city, uh, John Thompson, who pastors at Sanctus Church. Some of you may be familiar with him. Uh, his friend of mine, he reposted something that a gentleman named John Stevens posted over the last couple of days, and it really stuck with me uh, just in light of uh, the funeral for Queen Elizabeth tomorrow. And he said this, he said, I think we need to earnestly pray for Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury, as he prepares to preach at the Queen's funeral on Monday. It is an unprecedented opportunity to proclaim gospel and resurrection hope in Jesus to an anticipated global audience of 4.1 billion people. So that just really struck me. Um, I, many of you are familiar with this. Queen Elizabeth was actually a very devoted follower of Jesus. Uh, very, very deep faith. Uh, very deep woman of prayer and uh, of really seeking God and heart for God. And obviously she's gone home to be with the Lord. But I mean, I, I, partially I, I see it through the lens of being a preacher myself. Can you imagine preparing a message that potentially 4.1 billion people are going to hear? Uh, I'd be nervous. I don't know about you. I'd, I'd, I'd be fasting, praying, everything else. But I think there's just an amazing opportunity here that we really want to pray for, for just the work of God uh, tomorrow. And that there's going to be people's lives who are transformed. Amen? So we're going to kind of do a double here. We're just going to welcome the Holy Spirit even more to touch us. And then we're going to pray that the Holy Spirit's going to do something powerful around the globe tomorrow. So let's just hold our hands out like we're receiving something from God. Holy Spirit, we just say today, once again, you are welcome here. And I thank you so much. Just do the hearts of worship that came forward. What people, just, just the response to you. Even the fact that we're here today. Uh, we're here for you, and we're here to receive from you. We're here to hear from you. And uh, I pray you will really speak to each one of us today. Father, even as we talk about prototype, and we talk about just even continuing to lead into the word of the Lord that was brought to us about a month ago, God, as we have the opportunity for have a repentance offering today, Holy Spirit, just work in our hearts just continue to do your deep and significant work in each one of us. And Lord, we pray for tomorrow with this just opportunity where 4.1 billion people potentially will be tuning in to this funeral. And we just pray uh, for the Archbishop of Canterbury, Father, even as he's preparing now. And Lord, we, we know there's a man who has a heart for you and we pray that, that you will just speak through him so clearly that there will be such an anointing on his words and that there will be so many people who come to faith in Jesus or return to faith in Jesus, so many people who something is awakened in their hearts uh, where they thought they were just tuning into a funeral, but something will be awakened in them and that we will see harvest throughout this time. Father, we thank you for just the legacy 
uh, even of faith that Queen Elizabeth had, Father. And uh, so much of it was more private necessary than public, but I know some people who know the inside, and she, she loved you. And we pray that even in this time, and I know, I, I know her prayers would be that even in this moment where people remember her, that Jesus would be lifted high. And so we, uh, we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Never agreed with me said. Amen. All right, well, let's jump into the Word of God today. We're kind of, I would say starting a new series, but I feel like we're going to approach things, I mean, I don't know. I feel like we're going to approach things a little differently this fall, but we'll kind of just go at it and see how it goes. But I really feel like we always like to have a prophetic edge on what we're doing, and we always like to really try and, okay, where's God taking us? But I feel like there's going to be an extra emphasis on that this fall. Um, I think when, you know, through the summer, what God was doing, the time with Emma, there was just a lot of powerful things that were really released. And I really want to just stay very sensitive to the Lord as we continue to lean into those things. And so even in that, I, I, I don't know, I, I mean, I'll be preaching messages. I don't know if the series might be quite as structured. They might be a little broader and we just, okay, what's God saying to us this week? Where God's taking us? But we'll lean to see where we go. We've had a great start to the fall so far on, on so many levels. Last Saturday, we had a really great team day here. And we had a whole bunch, uh, you know, well, vast majority of our volunteers and people who serve here at Toronto State Church coming in and community food, uh, some training and preparation. I, I do let me put the plug in that there's an opportunity for uh, you to still, if you're newer here or you're still getting plugged in, we'd love to have you join the team. We'd love to have you be involved. Just reach out, let us know. Last Sunday, we had an amazing homecoming Sunday. We prayed for all our students. We prayed for all our educators and just really kind of set ourselves off in the new ministry year. And then Friday night, as I mentioned, uh, all who were there on Friday night, we just had an incredible time in prayer this past Friday night. If you missed it, I'm sorry to say you missed it, but there will be more. There will be more that are coming, but we just had a great time. And so today I want to continue to build on what God's doing. I feel like there's this momentum that's happening, and I really but I, I want to talk to you about uh, just this whole element of prototype, and, and then as well, part of what we've been, you know, and most of you be familiar with this, some of you are just kind of in the last couple weeks getting up to speed, but we had a prophet Emma Stark with us, and one of the things that she talked about was she really had a word of the Lord about a camp of consecration, where we take four weeks to really seek God and set ourselves apart to God, and then to finish it, one of the things we'd finish up with was the repentance offering. And so today is the, the end of the fourth week. And so I'm going to talk to you a little bit about this repentance offering as well and just what we feel like God is saying in that. But let's just start to talk about the word prototype. Because that was part of the word that God gave and it's part of what I'm really sensing we want to focus on as it comes to the fall. But it was this call where God's saying, I'm calling you to be a prototype church. And when different people hear prototype, we tend to hear it in different ways. Uh, a prototype, uh, the dictionary definition from Webster's is it's an original model on which something is patterned. So it's a model that something is patterned afterwards. A prototype also could be an individual that exhibits essential features of a later type. So we're not so much talking about an individual, but we're talking about us as a church and a community. And that word there, essential features, jumps out to me. What are some of the essentials? Everybody say essentials. What are some of the essentials that God's calling us to and where God's taking us? Um, a prototype is also a standard or a typical example. I believe God's calling us to be an example. And I don't say that with any bit of, like, because sometimes you can kind of get prideful. Oh, God's called us to be an example. Actually, for me, it's more kind of a fear of the Lord humility. 
But God's actually saying, I, I, I'm calling you, I'm trusting you to be an example to others. A prototype is also a first full scale or usually a functional form of a new type of design or construction. There's new designs, there's new things, new, new things that God is building. So we want to pray into this and talk about this and go after this this fall as a church family. What is God building? Where is God taking us? What is God doing in us? You know, when I hear prototype, I hear several things. Number one, I hear that God wants to do a new thing. Everybody say a new thing. Any 90s Christian kids remember DC Talk? God's doing a new thing. All right, so most of you are just looking at me. If you, you know what I'm talking about. Some of us grew up in church and I see if you grew up in your 90s youth kid, then you were in 80s children's church kid. You remember the felt boards with the, the anybody else learned Bible stories on felt boards? Thank you. We're getting a few hands a lot. You're looking at me like, what are you talking about? Sunday school used to have felt boards and Bible characters. You'd stick them up and move them around. It was very cool in the 80s, right? It was just very, very cool in the 80s. And so then we had DC talk in the 90s, but we won't go too much into reminiscing. But God is doing a new thing. Everybody say a new thing. God is doing something new. And I know we hear it, yeah, okay, God's doing something new, but sometimes we, God starts doing new things and we don't want the new things, we want the comfortable old things. So it's really continuing to remind ourselves and embrace ourselves, God's doing a new thing. God, what's the new thing that you're doing in me? What's the new things that you're doing in us? Let's not just look back to see what it's going to be like going forward, let's look for the new things. So we see that God's doing a new thing. When I hear this as well, we, I hear that God, we need to embrace change, we need to be ready to embrace change. We need to be ready to try new things and step out of our comfort zones. We need to be ready that even sometimes we may fail, quote unquote. But as John Maxwell wrote so well about the Christian leadership uh, teacher, where you need to just learn to fail forward. So even if you feel like you fail, fail forward, you still advanced. Most of what, if well, I would say most, almost everything I do well, I didn't do well at some point. I faced some failure and I grew. And so we can't be afraid of failure. You know, quote unquote, we've got to be ready to lean into the new things that God's doing. So we talked about the last thing I, I hear is we, we need to be ready to work really hard so it'll be easy for others. Pioneering is hard work. But if we're prepared to put in the hard spiritual work we pioneer and we make a way for the next generation to come on. We pioneer and we make a way for others to follow and others to come into. So these, these are the things that God's calling us to. It's a, it's a sobering call, but it's also an exciting call. Come on, somebody say prototype. And so in this fall, what I want to do at least, I mean, I don't know, next couple of weeks at least, I want to talk to you because we talked about this word Essentials. And I want to talk to you about some of the essentials of what I feel God wants to build into this prototype. What are the essential things that are part of our DNA? Some of them we do well. Some of them we maybe need to embrace more. Well, all of them, I think, in some ways we'll need to embrace more. But what are the core building blocks? What are the foundational materials? What are the essential things that God is building in us? What is the DNA? What is this essentials of the prototype that he's been? So today, I want to talk to you about three of those essentials. The first essential I want to talk to you about is I want to talk to you about the essential of prayer. Everybody say prayer. Prayer is absolutely foundational to what God wants to do here in and through Toronto City Church. 
Prayer is absolutely essential to what he wants to build. It's absolutely essential to where he wants to take us. Prayer is absolutely essential in the kingdom. And we talk about the prototype. We talk about what God wants to do. It has to be bathed in, founded in, covered by, surrounded around by just massive, intensive prayer in our hearts here at Toronto City Church. Come on, somebody say prayer matters. Guys, I want you to know prayer is a foundational element of Toronto City Church. If you go to what God has built here and you go right down to where, you know, the, 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 the hole was dug. And I'm talking figuratively, not literally. But when the hole was dug, the foundations were laid. It was laid in prayer. When Pastor Paul and Elaine, who started Toronto City Church 34 years ago, this coming year, 2023, will be celebrating 35 years. Their emphasis, one of their key emphasis was prayer. Those of you who've been here 20, 25 years, am I telling the truth? I'm telling the truth. Pastor Paul, that was one of the main things he carried. I know not just from people telling me, but because my family was here when things first began and started. I was 10, 11, 12 years old. I had no idea I'd be standing here one day. But I remember one of the biggest things that Pastor Paul carried was a spirit and a heart for prayer. I still remember one Sunday when he talked about how the day previous he'd just done a prayer walk along Young Street. And I think he started up in Newmarket and just all day just walked down right into downtown praying for the city. I remember the heart and the passion for prayer. And so when we look at our heritage, when we look at our history, we see that there's been this heritage of history of prayer. But family, I want to encourage you that we need to be thankful for that heritage. We need to be thankful for that baton has been passed to us. But it's time for us to take prayer, to take the spirit of prayer and heart of prayer, and even take it to another level. Colossians 4 verse 2 says this, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Now this verse in Colossians 4 verse 2, is not just written to pastors. It is not just written to really important leaders. It's not just written to, um, you know, intercessors, prayer warriors, you know, quote unquote. This verse is written to every single believer. And it says that we need to continue steadfastly in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. Again, not just pastors, not just leaders, not just intercessors, but every believer is called to pray without ceasing. I mean, I could do this entire message. I wanted to talk about three essentials. I could pull verse after verse after verse that talks about the power and the importance and the significance of prayer. Second Chronicles 7.14 says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. You see even in this verse where it talks about forgiveness of sin, where it talks about God hearing from heaven, where it talks about the land being healed, it's speaking of a move of God and it says the catalyst for that is my people. God says you, my people, if you will do this, so often, especially in challenging times like when we're in, we want to point the finger at everybody else. Well, it's the government. It's, you know, it's, it's the world. It's this area. It's that area. It's this person. It's that person. But God says, no, if my people. Doesn't matter what everybody else does. It's just if my people will get into alignment, then everything else will begin to shift. And one of the main ways, that's why I think prayer is so important, it's humbling ourselves, but then it's praying and seeking his face. That's the start of everything else. And so often I think we want to in the church, we want to see God hearing from heaven, 
We want to see this forgiveness and we want to see the healing of our land. And yet we don't start with our part of humbling ourselves, praying, seeking his face, turning from our wicked ways. Guys, this thing has to be founded in prayer. It has to be built in prayer. And it has to be a prayer movement that's not just a select few people or a, a, a kind of select group, but it's got to be a prayer movement where the average member of Toronto City Church is growing as a person of prayer, where the average member of Toronto City Church is engaging and participating in prayer. And that's why I was so excited on Friday night because even when I looked around, I just saw what God was doing. And I saw all the people that were here. And we were here to humble ourselves, to pray, to seek his face. We were talking about repentance and turning from our wicked ways guys that's where it starts and that's the engine that fuels everything else we can't want to run and see all these other things happen if we won't obey the lord in the place of prayer and i want to even as we're talking about essentials as we're talking about being a prototype i want to call to and challenge and encourage every one of you let the holy spirit take you deeper in prayer in this season you know one of the key words is our yes to god Right, Emma talked about that when she was here as well, saying yes. And something she said that keeps resonating with me, she said, I can't say your yes for you. And family, I'll say it as well, I can't say your yes for you. I wish I could. I wish I could just jump in and get everybody to say yes. But that's just not the way it works. Will we be people who say yes to God taking us deeper in prayer? Let me tell you a story or an account historically of some people who said yes in the place of prayer. How many have heard of the New York, uh, New York City prayer revival from the 1850s? All right, a lot of you haven't. This is going to be exciting. So it was founded by a man who was really the catalyst for it. It was a man named Jeremiah Lampier. And he was a businessman, but God really got a hold of his life. And I love it because it like he's late 40s coming into 50. I think it was like 49 when he really started to step out in some things. He said, some of us think... You know, I'm, I'm in my 40s. I don't think 40s that old. But, you know, some of us, you know, we start getting a little further on and we start feeling like, oh, I've wasted so much time. God couldn't use me. I, you know, we kind of start getting in that type of zone. But don't let that happen. God's never done with you. Come on, Caleb and Joshua, they're in their 80s when they started stepping into what God had for them in a new way. I mean, there's so many opportunities for us. So Jeremiah Lanfier, so he started, so he started, he left business. And he went into doing ministry, not necessarily pastoring, but evangelism and, and just outreach to people. And so it says that God began to break Jeremiah's heart for the lost when he evangelized. He saw that there was a great need for God in those days. Sounds a little bit like these days. Then one day, God gave him an inspired idea on how to reach people. He decided to hold a Wednesday prayer meeting for businessmen from 12 o'clock to 1 o'clock. He passed out flyers and began to spread the word. He encouraged people to come no matter how long they were able to pull away, whether it was five minutes, ten minutes, or more. He welcomed them all to come and engage in prayer with him. <coughs> the date for, was set for his first businessmen's prayer meeting to be at noon on September 23rd, 1857. September 23rd is this week. I didn't do the math, though. How many years ago? But we're talking 150 years, whatever it is. Probably more than that, actually. 160, 170 years ago. So he calls the prayer meeting on September 23rd. When the day came, he was ready to welcome the other businessmen for a time of prayer. At noon, no one showed up. Then at 12.10, still no one. At 12.25 p.m., still no one. Nearly halfway through his first prayer meeting, he may have felt like a failure, or maybe they hadn't heard God correctly. Don't look at early results to tell you whether if you heard God or not. 
Right? Like I'm thankful for fruit and I'm thankful for confirmations. But if you are always just looking for quick things and initial fruit to tell you, sometimes you heard God and it actually isn't going to start well, but you just, I'm talking to somebody, you got to just keep going with what God told you to do. Right? It, you know, it reminded me a bit of, uh, I had a flashback when we talked about this because I remembered when I, uh, when I first started, uh, kind of on this journey of ministry. Now, I'd been a youth pastor here in Toronto at a Korean church. I know somebody think that's strange, but they needed an English-speaking youth pastor, so that ended up being me, and I was in the basement of the church with the kids, and so we started to see over a couple of years, we started to see God move. There was some really cool things that started to happen. My brother started coming. My sister started coming. I was driving them in. Some other young people started coming, so we're coming into the city, and after a while, there's just too many to bring. So we realized, you know, we need to start a Bible study out in, in Durham. So we said, okay, let's start this Bible study. Let's get this Bible study going. And I remember, so we, you know, we started looking around. Figured, okay, well, first we've got to find a place to do it. And so, you know, I'm just kind of praying and, and walking it out. And that my friend Jerry, who owns a, a motorcycle shop. Now, I laugh because I don't think I would have done what Jerry did. But Jerry said, why don't you just hold it in my motorcycle shop? Bring all these young people into my shop. What could go wrong, right? So he had this guy. I, I love Jerry GP Bikes. You can see the blessing of God on him now. If you drive out through Ajax and Whitby, GP Bikes is like this big, massive building north of the 401. You can see it right off the, the highway. That point, it was back in Harwood Plaza. It was just this little storefront motorcycle shop. And I was a week, okay, we got the spot. We did Thursday night. And I remember we need chairs, so I found a church that would lend us their chairs, and I borrowed my parents' van back then. We had a Transport SE. Anybody remember Transport SEs, those kind of space-looking vans? They kind of advertised first with Star Trek. It kind of had the, the swooping. So we had our Transport SE, you know, pulled the chairs out and went over to pick up the chairs. And I remember I went into the bike shop. It was probably like 15 chairs. I don't even know what it was. And started setting up the chairs. I had Joel, Joel and I would do it. Joel, and I, Joel would help me, so we'd roll chairs. But I remember that first night, I don't know if Joel came with me and then went out to get some food because I just remember I'm sitting there I'm by myself and and we're starting like 30 minutes chairs are set up everything's going to and I remember I was terrified I was so scared and some of it didn't even logically make sense to me but I was there and I was like nobody's going to come this is going to totally bomb this is not going to work at all and I remember that but I remember thinking to myself and just going well God said to do it so I'm just going to do it and and I think Seven o'clock came and nobody came. But then the door opened. Well, I mean, at least I knew Joel was going to be there. Me and Joel. Right? But then the door opened and somebody walked in and somebody else walked in. You know, I was reminded of that because every time, and again, I feel this is for some, every time you step out into something that God's called you to, there's going to be a wall of fear that you've got to push through. Every time you step out into something, and it's not even going to be logical. So often the enemy is trying to oppose you from breaking into new ground. So it's this wall of fear. But what I learned to do was I learned to, yeah, I feel afraid. Right? Like sometimes you don't go, I, I, I don't have a spirit of fear. I'm not afraid. It's like, yeah, right now I'm actually very afraid. But God's given me something greater than fear. He's given me power and love and a sound mind. So I'm not going to stop. I'm going to do it. And I feel afraid, but I'm going to do it anyways. And every time I do that, the wall of fear was like it just evaporated. And in that, so, so I, I just had this flashback because Jeremiah Lamphere is there, 1225, halfway through, nobody still shows up. Who knows what may have been going through his mind after being vulnerable to follow what he felt was the Lord leading, only see absolutely no one responded. But he didn't throw in the towel or give up. He stood his ground and remained. And then all of a sudden at 1230, everybody say 1230. 
The first businessman joined him for prayer. Then another and another until he had a total of six people join him for the first day. That was enough for him to see there was a need for prayer and for God was on it. He didn't despise the day of small beginnings, but leaned into what, what God was doing. They planned a prayer meeting for the following Wednesday. This time, 20 men came. Then the following week, 40. He had to move to a bigger room. Then on October 10th, 1857, the stock market crashed. People lost everything in a matter of moments. Desperation for God increased. Soon these prayer meetings were not just weekly, but daily. In a short time, there were crowds of up to 3,000 people joining the Fulton Street prayer meeting. People from all different classes and backgrounds joined in. Another account of it said, after the collapse of the stock market on October 10th, the meetings exploded. Within six months, 10,000 people were gathering daily for prayer in New York City alone. Ultimately, people gathered in thousands across the nation and the world, in Scotland, England, Wales, Australia, Ireland, Europe, and the islands of the South Pacific. Portland and Denver shut down businesses at noon because men and women prayed. Over a million souls were swept into the kingdom of what was called the Great Prayer Meeting Revival. Interestingly enough, if you study it historically as well, God was moving because he knew the Civil War was coming. And there were many people who even died on the Civil War battlefields who would have come to Christ through this move of God just a few years earlier. And I also think the move of God, personally, my personal thought, it was part of this move of God that accelerated the dealing with, with the injustice of slavery as well too. And I, I know the Civil War didn't deal with everything perfectly and everything else, but it was part of, part of the, what God was doing. But it all started with one man who said, I'm going to pray. And even if I'm here by myself, I'm going to pray. And even if there's just six of us, we're going to pray. And even the next week, there's 20 of us, we're going to pray. It's the power of prayer. And family, I want to encourage you, just in a practical application, we want to build in prayer. and We want to build around prayer. And we have some amazing opportunities to do that here at Toronto Stages. All church prayer. I've mentioned it a couple times already. We had an incredible time on Friday night. You know, I remember a phrase that always stood out to me. How many remember when we used to have Sunday night church? Anybody remember Sunday night church? Come on, just wave at me if you're a Sunday night church kid or church person. So for some of you who are uninitiated, we used to, like almost every church, used to have Sunday morning service. Then you go home for food and then you come back on Sunday night. That's, uh, that's just, that was the way you did it. And, you know, kind of culture shifted and changed. So you really don't see people doing that as much. But there was this phrase that I always remember when I was younger. It said, you can tell how popular the church is by how many people come Sunday morning. You can tell how popular the preacher is by how many people come back Sunday night. And they said, and you can tell how popular Jesus is by how many people show up at the prayer meeting. How popular is Jesus? Yeah, and I know that doesn't cover everything all in every way, but it just hit me about, again, this heart for prayer. So we have all church prayer. We have weekly prayer calls. We have people jumping on conference call lines, Zoom calls. We've got a number set up there. We've, we've got people praying every, I think the only day that probably isn't covered right now is Saturday, but we've got people praying daily, praying for what God's doing. It's why I believe we are where we are and why we're seeing some things move to where we're moving forward. But here's what I want to encourage you. Here's what happens in most churches, family. In most churches, there's a core group of people that bear the load of prayer and everybody else just kind of rides on their coattails. I want to encourage you at Toronto City Church, let us not let that be the case. But let us be a church family where everybody engages in prayer. Let's be a church family where everyone participates in prayer. Now I know some of you are listening going, yeah, I'm just not very good at prayer. I'm not very comfortable. That's okay. The best way to learn is just to start doing it. 
The best way to learn is to come things like all church prayer. You're not going to be, have to be put on the mic. You're not going to have to like me, but you're just there and you're in the environment and you learn from other people and you grow in prayer. But family, I want to encourage us in this. Let us have this essential of prayer. Let us build with this essential of prayer. I believe God's going to take us even deeper in it in the, in the months and years to come. We've had words about 24 seven prayer. And I believe just some things that are going to be essential for the days we're coming into, but let us be a people of prayer. Everybody say prayer. So let's pray into that right now. I'm going to pray over each one of you. And if your heart is to say, God, I want to go deeper in prayer, I just want you to hold your hands out to the Lord right now. We're going to take a moment to pray into this and impart it right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that you were the one who gave us prayer. You are the one who called us to pray. You are the one who teaches us to pray. And I pray in the name of Jesus over every person under the sound of my voice, over every person tuning in online, that you will take us deeper in prayer. That we will be a house of prayer for all nations, God. That we will be that house of prayer. Do that work in us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, even right now, stir something in our hearts to go deeper in the place of prayer. Everybody say prayer. So that's essential number one. The second essential I want to talk about is I want to talk about the essential of encounter. And in that, I'm not just talking about an event we do over a weekend, even though I'm very, very excited about being able to restart encounters. But I'm talking about the various essence of encountering God. I want to talk about the power and the preeminence and the importance of encountering God in our lives because one encounter with God will change the course of your life. One encounter with God can do more healing than you can get in a year of counseling. Now, I'm not against counseling. I love it. I think we should be doing it. And I think God can work through it. But I also know that there's times and places and moments where you have encounters with God. And it does supernatural things in your heart's lives. Every one of us needs to have encounters with God. What does it mean to encounter? Well, encounter means to meet with someone in a way that is unexpected and significant. That's what it actually means. I believe God wants to bring us into a time and a season where we are having unexpected and significant meetings with God. God wants us to be a place where people come in. They're not even expecting it, but they are meeting with God in significant ways. Family, encounters are so important. And as a church family, we want to cultivate and pray and believe that this will be a place that people meet with God. That we will create environments where people meet with God. An encounter with God transformed Abraham into Abraham and made him the father of faith. An encounter with God transformed Jacob, which means liar or deceiver, into Israel. And he became a father of the nation of Israel and what God was doing. An encounter took Moses from the desert, the back of the desert, with sheep through a burning bush to standing before Pharaoh and declaring, let my people go. An encounter forged in Joshua, where Moses used to go out to the tent of meeting and meet with God. And then the Bible says he would leave but it says Joshua the son of Nun a young man would stay in the tent and would encounter God and then when Joshua was getting ready to lead the children of Israel into the promised land and the angel of the Lord stood before him which is a pre-incarnational manifestation of Jesus and he gave him instructions in what to do it was an encounter that led him forward into that an encounter took Gideon from hiding in a wine press flesh uh, you know working with the grain to 
leading 300 men to take down the Midianite army. It was an encounter with God that sent Samuel, one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament, on his way. Because as a young boy, he'd hear God calling him Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. And he kept thinking it was Eli. But then Eli, the priest, said, no, no, it's God. This is what you need to speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. It was an encounter with God that empowered David. And I believe ongoing encounters to stand before Goliath and take the giant down. It was an encounter with God for Isaiah where he beheld the throne of God and a coal was taken from the altar and placed on his lips. There was an encounter with God with Ezekiel when he saw the Lord lifted high and he saw the train of his robe filling the temple. It was an encounter with God when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got thrown into the fiery furnace because they would not compromise their faith and their love for God. And yet the fourth man showed up with them in the furnace. It was an encounter with God when Mary had the angel of the Lord appear to her and tell her that she was blessed and highly favored and she was going to be the mother of Jesus Christ. An encounter with God through her dream strengthened Joseph so that he could stand with her. It was an encounter with God that took Peter, who denied Jesus three times, the last time being to a little servant girl, to standing on the day of Pentecost and preaching the gospel to 3,000 people. It was an encounter with God that took Saul, who was persecuting the church, and turned him into Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament. Family, I could go on through the scriptures and I could also go on through church history. But encounters with God change lives. Encounters with God bring transformation. Encounters with God do supernatural things that we cannot do in our own strength. We all need encounters with God. And it's the hope for our world. One of the biggest things I pray for my children is that they will have encounters with Jesus. Because I knew for myself growing up, coming up as a teenager, and I was able to serve God for the, right through my teenage years. I mean, I wasn't perfect. I definitely had my challenges as well. But I remember one time I was reflecting on, just, you know, just recently past my teenage years, and I was reflecting on, why did I, like, why was I able to navigate with him navigate? You know, because you can look back, you can see the temptations that, you know, were there. And, you, you know, sometimes you're mature, you look back and say, oh, that could have been really bad. You know, at the moment, you didn't even think too much of it. But what, what helped me to walk through that? And I started to realize as I analyzed, I started to realize it was these encounters with God. I remember there was, uh, my parents sent me to a, a camp for several summers, a, a boys camp. And it was really designed, the, the, the guys who ran, it wasn't a big camp at all, it was, it was really small, but they just had this heart, they said, we want young men to really kind of know who they are and come to know God. And I remember I was there, I, that was where I learned to worship first. Where I learned that, you know, like just God, I, I remember it was at that camp, I was doing a devotion time, I was maybe 11 or 12 years old, and I just read a verse, you know, I was out on the rock, overlooking the, kind of down the hill to the parking lot, and the basketball hoop, and the woods, and we're kind of out in the middle, of, and I remember reading a verse about God's love for me, and I just suddenly had this picture of something just, my, my father had done that really demonstrated love for me, all of a sudden it hit me that God loved me, not because I was good, but just because he loved me, I remember tears were streaming down, I mean, it was those encounters with God, and we need to and it's interesting because you can't make an encounter happen because it's unexpected. But you can position yourself in places where you can meet with God. And that we would be people who say, I want to lean in for encounters with God. I just want a head religion. I don't just want a nice Christian theology. I need encounters with God. But we have a world that needs encounters with God. Right? We all have our belief systems. We all have things. We can argue back and forth. But when you encounter God, it takes it to a whole nother level. When you see the power of God, we need encounters. And so here at Toronto City Church, as we're building this, we want to create an atmosphere for encounter. 
We want to create atmosphere. So when we worship, when we gather together our prayers, God, we want people to really meet with you. It is why I'm so excited about these encounters. Because what they're actually designed is we, we, we curate and we cultivate a space to bring people in. We have people fasting and praying beforehand. We have a whole team of leaders that are here and their one goal is just to pray and minister to people. And we just set aside time. So there's something powerful that happens when you set aside time, you make an investment to meet with God. There's that song we used to sing. I think we still sing it sometimes, but I'm here to meet with you. Come and meet with me. Right? James says, if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. You set aside time and God encounters you. But we want to make sure as we build what God's doing that we're building around this principle of encounter. So just like we prayed for prayer, I want to just pray and pray an impartation over us in the place of encounter. So if your heart is to grow and to say, God, I, need, I want a fresh encounter in this season. Yeah, God, I want people. I know people in my life who need encounters with you. I want this to be a place of encounter. Just raise your hands to the Lord right now like you're receiving. We're going to pray into this right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for encounters with you. God, we thank you that even in what you're building, God, that such a significant part of it is going to be people meeting with you. It's going to be unexpected but significant meetings. And I thank you for unexpected but significant meetings with you, even in this time and this season, for every member of this church family, for people in our world, for people, some of us have people in our hearts right now that need that encounter with you. Thank you for doing that and working that. We thank you for encounter, Father, in Jesus' name. Everybody say encounter. So the first essential is the essential of prayer. The second essential is the essential of encounter. The third essential that I want to talk about today, it's going to tie a little bit into the repentance offering, but it's the essential of radical obedience and and generosity with our finances. That we would be radically obedient to God. That we would be radically generous when it comes to the finances in our life. There's much that I could say about this, but let me just say a few things, then we're going to bring this to a prayer and close. If you were to track the story of TCC, I've talked about coming up in 35 years, you will see a history of prayer. You will also see a heritage and a history of radical generosity. When TCC was able to get their first building back in the early 90s, and this door opened, God opened the door to purchase a property on Huron Street right downtown. They did not have enough money, not even close. And the door opened quick, and it was one of those ones that you got to move quickly. But they went to the Toronto City Church family and there was just this supernatural outpouring of giving this radical generosity. Some people literally pulled investments, pulled different things, not because anyone forced them to, but because they had this heart for what God was building and doing. And Toronto City Church in that moment was able to take that piece of land. And then that piece of land ended up getting paid off, appreciating, and then it flipped into this piece of land. And then there was a whole spirit of radical generosity and a spirit of faith and battles fought to build what's happening here. And I'm just talking about facilities. I'm not talking about all the other offerings taken, all the other things that were given, all the other things that were sown. There's a heritage here, guys, that we are building upon of radical obedience and generosity. And not only can we not lose that, but we need to actually take that baton and we need to run even faster. We need to move even faster with it in this season. I want you to know today that one of the areas the enemy fights as hard as anything else is he fights us in this area of finances. Because he does not want resources in the kingdom of God. And he does not want the resources of God flowing in your life. Everybody say generosity. 
Yo, we were talking about the move of God in New York City. If you do study of revival history and moves of God, one of the things you will find in every one is radical generosity and obedience to God. Now, there's two sides to that coin. Some of it is because God's moving, people are stirred and touched and they want to give. That definitely is part of it. But if you dig a little deeper, you will actually find that often part of what triggers things in a move of God is prayer and radical generosity. Where people don't just give in response to God moving, but it's actually their generosity that creates an environment for God to move. Think of Cornelius, Acts chapter 10. I don't have his reference for the team. The angel came to him. What did he say? It talks about Cornelius was a just man who gave alms. And even when the angel appeared to him, he talked to him about prayer, and then there was this element of his giving. Now, I'm not saying you buy something from God, but what I'm saying is obedience and generosity creates this environment for God to move. In the same way, if we are disobedient with our finances and we are stingy instead of generous, it actually starts to cut things off. I know sometimes people don't like hearing that, but guys, it's the Bible, it's the truth. It cuts things off. It cuts things off in our lives, but it also cuts things, some things off that God's doing corporately. You know, we believe here at Toronto City Church, and the Bible talks about the tithe. We bring our first 10% to the Lord in the storehouse. Beyond that, we also believe that God teaches us to follow the Holy Spirit's leading and giving generously in living out our lives. I mean, one of my goals is to have at least one year where I can give 90% of my income into the kingdom of God. Now, that last 10% is going to have to be pretty big to take care of some of the things that need to be taken care of. But I, I, want, I want to see this radical generosity. I want to see this radical heart for giving to God. But family, the devil will fight you on this. Because he does not want the resources to flow. And he does not want to see it flowing in your life. He wants to keep you tied up in this area. And so his number one strategy to keep you tied up is to get you in disobedience. Right? We know this. Often we don't apply it in the financial realm, but we know in the things of the kingdom, if we're living in disobedience to God, we hinder what God is trying to do. We step out of his covering. We step out of his protection. We step outside of the hedge. We open ourselves up to the enemy because we're not in obedience, but when we submit to God, we resist the devil, he flees. Right? This is what the Bible tells us. And I can tell you from being a pastor for over 22 years, even on a very practical level, in any church context I've ever been in or I've ever observed, because I've been able to see behind the scenes in different situations, circumstances, if everyone who called that church family home would just obey God with the tithe and the offering, not only would that church have more than enough, would have enough to do everything God called them to do, they would have more than enough. But see, it's not just about the church being provided for, it's about you being provided for. Right? The Bible says, cast your bread upon many waters, and then day it will return to you. It talks about how God supplies all your needs. It also talks about God, if you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord, he returns. There's so many things that we could pull in that today. But you know, I, the picture that hit me was, I don't know if any of you, when you were kids, or maybe when you were older than kids, used to take like the holes, the garden holes, and have fun water fights, and you're like squirting and spraying people, and you know, whatever we would do, we'd have fun with this as a kid, but then someone would sneak up behind you, grab the hose, and what would they do? They'd crimp the hose. And all of a sudden, what happens? The flow stops. Now, did the water get taken away? Did the water disappear? No, the water's still there. It just got crimped up. 
Family, when we don't obey God in this area of our lives, we actually crimp up the flow of what he's trying to do. We crimp up, well, I don't know, there's many reasons that people struggle with this. For some of us, we just didn't know. We didn't know this was part of kingdom life. For some of us, life's just really hard and, and we battle this kind of fear of, well, if I start obeying God in this area, I won't have enough. Well, can I say this? For some of us, you won't have enough anyways. Amen. You get quiet on that point, but we don't. I know I don't have enough in what I did by myself. But even if we did, God has so much more that he wants to give to us. But there's that wall of fear. Right? And I know that hits a lot of people. It's just like, I know it's just really scary. It's really hard. But you take that step and you watch what God does. Family, please, let's catch this. Emma spent all this time prophesying to us about where God was taking us, what he wanted to do, calling us to go deeper. I mean, there was some incredible things, other things that God's speaking and doing. And then the Holy Spirit led her and said to make sure to talk to them about finances. Um, Luke 16, 11 says this. If you then have not been faithful in unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you true riches? Guys, you know money's not a big deal to God, right? He paves his streets with gold. He uses jewels for construction material. He owns the th cattle on a thousand hills. I don't even know exactly what that means, but it's a lot. Money is not a big deal to God. There's a lot of things in the kingdom that matter a whole lot more, but watch what this verse said, because this marked me and it stuck with me my entire life. God said, if I can't trust you with money, I will not be able to trust you with true riches. How many of us, there's all this stuff that God says, I have so much I want to trust you with. But you're not obeying me here. Just obey me. Do what I'm saying because I've got so much. And yes, it's provision, but there's so much more. There's anointing. There's power. There's life. There's all the things that I say are true riches, and I have them right here for you. I so want to trust them with you, but you keep stopping me because you're holding on, and your hands are not open to receive what I have because you're holding so tightly to what you have. Will we take that step of faith to trust? Come on, everybody say trust. Guys, we're in times of shaking. Yes, it's an economic shaking. That's sometimes people go, well, I can't because it's so No, this is the time that we need to obey God more than ever. This is the time we need to take steps of faith more than ever because our God will meet every need of ours according to his riches and glory. And he doesn't care what the inflation rate is. He doesn't care what the economic situation is. He doesn't care what's going on. He is not limited to that. And so if you stay in that system, you're going to come under the weight of that. But if you rise up above and say, no, I, by faith I'm stepping into what he's doing in the kingdom, then you walk in kingdom finance instead of being under the weight of what's happening. See, but this leads us to this point. We're bringing it close to here. It really comes down to the lordship of Jesus. There's so much I could talk to you about why you should obey God in this area of your life. I could talk to you about the blessing that flows. I could talk to you about, you know, I've mentioned a bit what God wants to trust you with. But here's where I want to I stop. Because I think sometimes we get too benefit-based in why we're doing what God wants us to do. Now, is there benefit? Definitely. But if that's your foundation, as soon as you start feeling like, I don't know if there's a benefit here anymore, you start backing off of it. The number one reason we should do it is because Jesus is our Lord. 
And Jesus is Lord of our life. Pastor Jair said something very profound last week. It's just a little phrase. I don't know if you caught it when he was talking and sharing for offering. But he said, and I'll paraphrase a bit, but he said, the last thing for me that got converted to Jesus was my wallet. And he's like, I gave him my life. But, and maybe you gave him your life, but did you give him your wallet? Which technically is a representation of your life in many ways because you trade your wife for money and then, not your wife, your life. <laughs> Thanks, was my wife back there? She said, your wife? <laughs> you know what I meant, my, your life. <laughs> my wife costs money, but I'm not trading her for money. I cost money too. Uh, <laughs> yes, she does cost more debt, but that's... Uh, it's about lordship, guys. And I remember hearing this said years ago. It's another thing, several today. I keep telling you things that have always stuck with me, but this one stuck with me too. If he's not lord of all, then he's not lord at all. Right? Lordship doesn't mean kind of buffet, this, 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 but all. And, and, and I just feel like, I'm being bold today, but I'm saying to you, it's time to bring this under lordship to Jesus. It's time for us to do it. But watch what God does when you do. Watch what he does when you step out. Now, so we're going we're gonna to finish. We're going to pray into this repentance offering. But I thought it would be good to actually just pull a clip of the actual word from four weeks ago, just so it can kind of refresh. So I want you just to check this out. This was Emma. If you weren't there, this is Emma who was sharing with us. So the team just wants to run that clip. yourselves to me again. I call your next four weeks the camp of consecration. It is a day for you to commit to being burnt. It is a day of time, a season of time where you will bring outlandish monies and you will get right financially with me by the need to have a repentance offering. Repentance offerings are where we all get right financially with God. And we all, most people need a repentance offering every so often for what they've withheld. So you're coming into four weeks where you have a repentance offering, a time offering of worship, And in a mental and an emotional sacrificing in the camp of consecration. And the Lord says, I need to hear a fresh yes. He says, will you stand in a somber yes and will you be counted? I know there are times where we come in and pat, pat, there, there. Well, I never do that. But, you know, we, sometimes we do. It is a different season in the earth. Can you raise your hands up towards me? Because I want you to catch something. Okay? 
My dad used to do this when I was a child, still does it occasionally. The rabbis, my dad's a rabbi really, they would lift their hands and they would release a blessing. And the people would raise their hands and catch the blessing, yeah? I can't say your yes for you. I love that last part of the phrase, I can't say your yes for you. Can we do this? Can we all stand to our feet today? And let's just go before the Lord as we bring this to a close. And so family, we've talked today about essentials. We've talked about the essential of prayer. We've talked about the essential of, uh, what's number two? Sorry, I'm so focused on number three now. Counter. I should have remembered that, right? I was just testing you guys to see if you're listening. Talked about of encounter, and we've talked about this essential of radical obedience and generosity in our giving. And so part of what we wanted to finish today was for this opportunity for a repentance offering. And as Emma said there, very well, a repentance offering is an opportunity for you to get right with God. It's for you to say, hey, I realize I've been withholding God, and, and I'm not gonna withhold anymore. And you pray about an amount, um, you, you, it's not like I'm not saying oh, it has to be this but you pray about an amount and it's like an offering that says this is my statement that now I'm, I'm moving forward with you if I want to encourage you let us hear and let us obey the word of the Lord in this let us be those who say yes so often we can hear these things sometimes and be like yeah yeah okay good word good message are you going to do anything about it nope that's why James said, make sure that you are not just a hearer of the word, but make sure you're a doer because there's this trap. And the more you get comfortable with hearing God's word, but never do anything about it, the more you fall into deception, you fall into that trap. Let us not hear it and not do it today. But from the bottom of my heart, now some of us, there's no repentance needed because we've just been doing what we need to do. And maybe today there's just something that you feel to sow into. But if God is speaking to you, if God is convicting your heart, do not miss this time. Let us be a church family that leans in for generosity, that leans in for obedience, Lord, in this area. And let's watch what God does. I want to be a person, and I want to be a church that God says, I can trust you with true riches. How many people want to be like that? Amen? I want to be like that. And so, Father, just as we bring things to a close today, we come before you and we pray into this area of radical generosity. We pray into this area of, of obedience to you in our finances. And, Father, I thank you for all the obedience and generosity that's already in this house. But I pray for every one of us whose our hearts have been convicted by you, God, that today we will say yes. Today we will bring that fresh yes, even in this coming season, that we will walk rightly with you, that our heart will be that which say yes, Father. And I pray for just a spirit of faith in the house. God, especially for those that this is a scary step. Maybe this is a big step for them. I pray for a spirit of faith in the house and that they will say, you know what, whatever I feel, I'm stepping in. I'm going to do it and watch what God does in their lives. And so we thank you for this, Lord, today in Jesus' name. Now, what I want to ask you just on a practical side with this offering is, again, we're not necessarily in the season. We don't have the envelopes and do the baskets. But you can go right out of here. There's a debit and credit terminal. We have the online giving information. As the team can throw that back up there. You can go online. Whatever it is for you, just pray over it. Mark it clearly before the Lord. Say, God, this is my repentance offering before you. I want to be in obedience in this area of my life. 
I want to step out in faith. I want to watch what you're going to do. And so, Father, we thank you for this in the name of Jesus. God, that we will be people of prayer, that we'll be people of encounter. God, and that we will be people of radical obedience and generosity in our finances. We thank you for this, Lord. Let's just head bowed and eyes closed. So just before we go out of this place, I want to make sure I give an opportunity if there's anyone who's not right with God. The Bible teaches us that God loves us with an everlasting love. We've been separated from that love by sin. Romans 6.23 tells us the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is eternal life and forgiveness for every one of us, but as with any gift, we have to say yes to the Lord. We have to receive it. And so if you're in this place today, just with head bowed and eyes closed, but you say, I need to give my life to Jesus. You say, I need to give my life back to Jesus. You know you need to do that today. I want you just to put your hand up wherever you are. If there's anybody in this place, thank you. I see that hand there. Anybody else? Thank you. I see a hand over there. Is there anybody else that says, I need to be right with God? If there's anybody else today, don't miss your opportunity. God's calling you. The devil doesn't have to get you to say no to God. He just has to get you to say not today enough times. Make that decision for him today. Amen. So, again, on a very practical note, for those of us give, there's online, there's debit and credit. You can, if you're giving in cash or check, you can do it that. But let's just go and let's give this offering before the Lord. I want to ask for some of our leaders to come forward to the front. We're going to dismiss... But the team's going to worship for a little bit. And if you want to worship, if you just want to stay and seek God a little bit more, you are welcome to do so. And here's what I want to ask. If you raised your hand or you know you should have, when I dismiss, I want to ask you, we're going to have, can just the leaders come quick just so people can seek it, some of the leaders coming forward. We got some of our team members, some of our men and ladies who are going to be here across the front. And I want you just to come out. I want you just to meet one of them because they want to pray with you. They want to just stand with you and encourage you. So if you know you should give your life to Jesus, or you raise your hand with me, I want you to come forward. I want you to pray with them. But let's just do this before we close. Let's pray this prayer all together. Say, Jesus, thank you for your love for me. Thank you that you came for me. Thank you that you died. Thank you that you rose again. Today I turn my back on sin. I commit my life to you. Fill me. Free me forgive me. I want to follow you. In Jesus' name. And everyone agreed, said, amen. So again, just as we go, number one, if the Lord's stirring your heart regarding repentance offering, get it in today. Pray over it. Just even as we've prayed now. Number two, if you raised your hand or you know you should have, we got some leaders here to meet with you and pray with you. Come forward. Number three, if you want to stay and just pray and seek God, you're welcome to do so. Just please go get your kids first. So moms and dads, make sure your kids, uh, I've been stretching our team a little bit. I'm so thankful for them. But we love you today. God bless you. Let's have an amazing week, and we're going to see you again next week. God bless. I'm going to turn over to the team just for a few moments here in worship. And if you raise your hand, you know you should have. Come. If you need someone to come with you, just come forward today.